Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. This is episode number 35. I'm honored to have Marco Santorelli, fellow podcast host and a very smart real estate investor on the podcast today. Marco's mission is to help people create financial freedom by taking the guesswork out of investing. He has been helping investors create wealth and passive income for past 15 years. His team is dedicated to researching top real estate growth markets and structuring complete turnkey real estate investments to minimize risk and maximize profitability. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome, Marco, to Wealth Matters Podcast. I sincerely appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. It's my pleasure, Alpesh, to be here. I, I thank you for the invite. I hope I can provide your audience some great, some great content and you know valuable information. I'm pretty sure you will. Hey, so Marco, I'm I, I'm assuming that most of the listeners would know about you, but I still want to ask: How did you get started in real estate investing, and what have you done to be successful? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> So I, I guess the short story is that I actually started investing when I turned 18 years old. I bought my first rental property and I, and, and I, I was able to qualify for financing. So that's why. That's I nice. To, yeah, it's kind of funny when I say to people, I had to wait until I was 18. Um, but, you know, like your audience, they have W-2 paying jobs, right? You know, they, yes. they generate their income, you know, with, with a well-paying job. It's W-2 income. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a, a decent job back then that paid well. So I had enough saved for a down payment for a property. So I bought a property that needed a little bit of work. It needed some work. So I bought it, fixed it up. I put a sign on the lawn. There was no internet back then. Right. And uh, took some lease applications and interviewed some people, leased it up and managed it. And I held that for a number of years. So it was a great rental. And that was how I got started. Um, it was it was the right time. The big mistake I made, and I didn't know this was a mistake at the time, is I actually sold that property. And that sounds kind of crazy, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to sell property if you're doing something with the equity, and you're able to reinvest it so you can do better. Yep. But not knowing what I know today, you know, I made the mistake of not doing a tax deferred exchange and buying more rental property. Oh, so you're talking about 1031 exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even if you don't do a 1031 exchange, it would have been wise if I took that investment cap or excuse me, the equity and reinvested it. Oh, yes. Yes. So that that was the mistake I made without knowing that it was, you know, a big mistake. I I probably felt in my gut that I should, you know, shouldn't just take the equity and go and buy a car or whatever I did with it. 
but right. at least I got started, you know, at least I did something. And, and, and at you least know. you learned, right? So I wish I was 18 when I acquired my first property. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, experience is one of the best teachers. If yep. you can take action, the fact that you are doing something, even if you fail at it, you're going to learn as you go and you'll learn what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I tell my listeners that you pay for education one way or another, right? Either it's through experience, or either you go to someone, a mentor, and you pay for the education, right? So yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to learn one way or another. You can learn through mentors and coaches, or you can, um, you know, learn through experience or a combination of both. And for me, it was initially it was through uh, experience, no live coaching. Um, but ultimately I, as time went on, I started to learn more, read more, you know, go to seminars, buy courses and, you know, I, I wanted to educate myself, which is important. You know, it's, it's my first rule of my 10 rules. And, you know, that's something that I tell people all the time is to invest in yourself. It's, it's great to be an investor, but if you're not investing in yourself, you're probably not going to be a very good investor. I, I couldn't agree more. And I keep telling my listeners, friends, family that keep investing in your education, right? So the past couple of years, of course, listening to people like you, I have been attending tons of conferences, taking video courses, meetups, wherever I can go, meet people, learn from them as much as possible. And uh, it has been my goal that every day I have to learn something new. Uh, it could be something really minor. I don't care, but as long as I can learn something new every day, then then my day is, is all worthwhile, right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. No, that that's great. That's it's good that you recognize that. So so yeah. So the answer, you know, to your first question is that that was my start. Uh, I I I started early, and that was good. But then, you know, in in two thousand. Three, I got back into real estate investing, and then I really hit the ground running in 2004. Credit was easy to, to, oh, to yeah. get, <laughs> and that was a bit that was a that was dangerous, as it, yes. as you know, for millions of people. It for was a lot very, of people, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people got caught with their shorts down because they 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 were they weren't investing; they were speculating. They were yes. buying for appreciation, and we've seen this in California. Yeah. I was going to say that, especially you and I are from California and we have seen that people lose, losing their shirts, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, if you're in the right place at the right time, you know, that's luck on your side and you can get, get a lot of gains in equity. But the thing is, you can lose those gains as many people did. If you don't know what to do with them, that makes you, you know, a, a, a bad, a poor or bad investor just right. purely out of ignorance. But um, but with easy credit, you know, people were able to get a lot of properties, as I did as well. I bought a lot of property in a nine-month period in 2004. Um, most of it worked out fairly well, but you know, I still had you know my my trouble properties and of course the beautiful the beautiful thing is is from from investing from Southern California and investing you know in markets like Florida, Georgia, Michigan. I was able to create systems and perfect those systems that I used for myself. And that is ultimately what turned into the business as it is today with Norada Real Estate because the, the systems I was using for me to invest from far away, I, I, I'm now able to share 
with other people and use those same systems to allow them to do exactly what I did or even better actually. That's awesome. You know, there's, there are more tools, more resources and more information available today than when I started, you of know, course. In, in 2003. That is a lot actually. That's how I've been learning. That is a lot available for anyone. Yeah, we didn't even have podcasts start. back then. Oh yeah, there was nothing, right? So for you, it is, it's, it's a hard, long journey, right? And you had to build all of the systems. But right now, most of it is available, bigger pockets, tons of podcasts like your podcast. And it's just, uh, and networking events, right? So there's all kinds yeah. of tools. So uh, the title of this podcast is Creating Legal we uh, Legacy Wealth from Real Estate, right? So what does legacy wealth mean for you? Well, legacy wealth, the, the, the simplest definition means that it, you can pass it on. It, it goes beyond your life, your generation, because if you have family or kids and you want to be able to pass that wealth along, it, you have the ability to do it. Not only do you create that wealth, but you have the ability to pass that wealth along in, 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 in a tax-deferred tax um, structure where you, your kids or your heirs can inherit that uh, and, and continue on you know, preserving what you've built. You know, you've spent a lot of time and money building up a real estate portfolio of whatever that may be. Um, so that generational wealth is important. But I don't want people to think that it's just about real estate because you don't want to just give your kids your, you know, right. your, your properties. And, you know, if they're just inheriting that, you know, that's nice for them. But if they don't know how to manage money no. or to create that wealth or duplicate what you've done, they're, they're going to, you know, piss it away, as they say, you know, right. they're going to right. destroy it. Exactly. If they haven't been through the process, if they don't know the systems, of course, it's not going to be, it's not going to work out at some point, right? Or either they get, they're going to give it away without realizing the value of those realistic properties or assets. Right. So, so when we talk about um, generational wealth, the wealth is not just measured in terms of dollars or yep. assets. It's you should also measure generational wealth in terms of knowledge. You know yep. what family, education. Yep. Yeah, that family knowledge that you want to pass along, you need to you need to teach your kids and your heirs what you know and how you know how to properly manage, how to properly invest and manage manage cash flow, manage your assets, manage money, um, all that good stuff. You know you got to pass all of it along, not just the assets. Absolutely. So if we, uh, I, I totally agree, right? Legacy wealth, generational wealth. So now let's say someone like me who has picked real estate as one of the, you know, area where I want to mark, uh, become expert in, or I, at least, you know, even if I'm not an expert, I want to make sure that I'm investing in right places, right type of properties. So what should one consider when searching for a market to invest? And I know because your website, has properties from all over the US and you have invested all over the US. So I'm pretty sure you follow certain processes or you have systems in place for this. Yeah, so the, the first thing to understand is that the United States is made up of over 400 metro areas. Absolutely. Fact, you know, if you include micro markets, there's well over 600. Yep, and tertiary markets, primary, secondary, tertiary. Not, not many people know about this. 
Right, right. So the fact that there are so many markets, you know, you have to understand or it should be uh, pretty obvious to you that, you know, you have to be what I call being market agnostic. You're not married to any market. And the reason for that is because all real estate markets run for the most part independently of each other. So what I always like to say what happens in the San Francisco Bay Area is different than what's happening in Houston, Texas, which will be different than what happens in Detroit, Michigan. And recognizing that local markets are exactly that, they're local. They have their own economies, their own supply and demand, their own pricing dynamics, um, their own inventories. So all these things come into play. And when you recognize that every market is unique, then you can say, well, hey, I've got investable capital. I've got savings that I worked hard for. Where am I going to invest that so it works the hardest for me or where I get the best cash flow or I get the best appreciation potential or a combination of, of the two, which is something we loosely refer to as hybrid, hybrid. markets. Yep. And, and like so- the Texas markets, for example, are hybrid markets, right? Um, yeah, yeah, they, for the most part, I mean, a lot of them have kind of kicked into being, being strong growth markets over now, the recent now, years. Yeah. Austin and Dallas, definitely. <laughs> Dallas has gone crazy. It's, yeah, it's kind of tapering it off a little bit yeah, now, but yeah. Dallas has been since 20, about 2014, it's been on a it's tear. On, oh yeah. It's been on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the point being is that it's important to understand that that you should choose markets based on, you know, good fundamentals and good economics. Markets that make sense, that have inventory, that that you can cash flow well, and you have good growth potential. Uh, and of course, your team is important. Having the right team on the ground. These are all things that we research and provide, you know, on a daily basis. But that doesn't mean you have to work with an organization like ours. You can do this on your own. You just have to learn what to look for and do the research. You know, it's all due diligence. You can learn how to do this stuff. You just have to take action and make it happen. Absolutely. So what are some of the tools or websites do you use or do you recommend um, to, you know, newbie investors or even if it's that person is not newbie, like someone who is trying to scale up faster? Well, there's a lot of free resources out there. Um, you know, a search engine like Google is a great tool because you can yep. type in the name of a city followed by whatever the phrase is you're looking for, yeah. such as, um, you know, uh, job growth, population growth. Uh, I use uh, median house price as well. I just type yep. Houston, Texas median house price. So that tells me when I'm trying to buy property that I want to stay around that range. So, yeah. And yeah. usually you'll find articles written on the subject, which gives you the information you're looking for. Yes. But as far as specific websites or tools, uh, you know, there's, there's some free ones out there. There's some paid ones out there like Zillow, Trulia are examples of free websites. Um, citydata.com is another website. Uh, yeah. I recommend that one all the time. Yep. So those, those are examples of, of free versions um, there are websites, for example, Neighborhood Scout, which mm -hmm. is a, a subscription model. You know, it's not free. You have to pay for right. uh, for the neighborhood-based uh, information, like city level. There's some free information, but uh, but if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty and have a, a deep 
understanding of the market and the neighborhoods that these properties are in that you're looking at, that's a great tool. So um, I forgot the name of the other one. There was another one I, I just slipped my mind. Rentometer. Rentometer is another one I uh, use to look at the rents right in the market. Yeah, that's one. Uh, from a rental perspective, uh, there's another one called uh, Rent Facts. Oh yes. So there's another one like that. Um, they're you know they're pretty good. They're not 100% accurate, and they even have differences amongst the two. So it's even sometimes they will contradict. The best source for information on the rental market, I mean, those are great starting points, but always cross-reference those with the local property manager that you're yes. working with. Because uh, sometimes the property will rent for more, your property will rent for more than what those websites tell that's, you. That's a great advice. You, you can't beat local knowledge. <laughs> right. So a manager that's already managing properties in that neighborhood or that area is is going to know you know, what a 1,200 square foot, three bedroom house is going to rent for that's on, you know, a large lot on a private street. They're going to know. Right. Totally agree. That, that's a, that's some of, those are some of the tools I use and thank you for sharing those tools. So uh, I want to jump on to how uh, can someone be a successful investor? What, what do they have to work on work, uh, from mindset perspective, right? So what, what have you done? to work on mindset, personal development, you know, how can those contribute to your financial success? Well, if you're asking me about mindset, it's critically important because in the beginning, I, I've already said that it's important that you invest in yourself first before you start investing in anything, whether it's the stock market, gold, silver, real estate, right. whatever it may be. The, the, the smarter you are, the, the, in other words, let me put that in another way. The less ignorant you are, the more successful you will be. Yeah. Uh, education, especially financial education, will take you from being average to good and from good to great. And that's really where you wanna be. So you can assemble the right team, ask the right questions, understand what they're saying, and be able to make smart decisions. And it also allows you to do your due diligence when you're looking at any kind of an investment, whether it's a business or it's a real estate investment. So education is critically important. This, this is why it's my first rule for successful real estate investing. But mindset is not just the financial education, it's also your level of confidence, your ability to manage your fear, uh, reading books like Think and Grow Rich, oh, seven, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, yeah. How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, these are all great books to help you build the right kind of mindset. And listening to even some of the greats like Tony Robbins, uh, Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, uh, John Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. Like listening to these people who are very understanding. I mean, they're successful, but they, they understand human psychology yep. and what makes your brain tick. That's so, the key. yeah, it's, it's the better you understand yourself, the better you're, the, the easier you'll find it to learn what you need to learn and the more confident you're going to be. And the more you learn, the higher level of confidence goes. So all of a sudden you start to become almost unstoppable you you get to a point where your education and your knowledge and your confidence are so high that you become uh you can't help but to become successful 
you you hit the nail on the head i just finished reading the compounding effect by brian tracy oh yeah yeah it's an awesome book and i'm currently reading the atomic habits by james clear it's a good pretty much extension of that book by brian tracy and you know as you said the mindset the can do attitude and the willingness to learn right uh, that that those all qualities go a long way yeah and you know what if you if you if you have a hard time reading <clears throat> if reading is not your thing there's still no excuse because you can listen to podcasts like your podcast or my podcast and you can listen to audiobooks audibles yep That's so there is no excuse advice. yeah there's no <laughs> excuse you have so much available at your you know fingertips right <laughs> yeah yeah especially today i mean you know audiobooks didn't exist uh 15 years ago i don't think i mean we had you know, like cd's and maybe cassette tapes at some point in time but um but podcasting wasn't even didn't even exist nope. at that time and and uh, kindle books right so i carry my phone and i usually have about 40 50 books on my phone so yeah, i so there's I, no I, excuse I read, right exactly so there's no excuse <laughs> that's right so you kept mentioning the rules of uh, real estate investments can you uh, elaborate on those the 10 rules of investments so Yeah, do you just want me to just quickly highlight them? Yes, please if you can summarize them. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So for, normally when I go through the 10 rules, you know, it's 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 like a 30-minute conversation yes. just alone. <laughs> um but I'll I'll just I'll just you know give you a um I'll just touch on each one. So the first one we've already talked about and that's just to educate yourself uh, for obvious reasons, you know, that knowledge will take you from being a good investor to a great investor. Uh the second is something that I'm sure many have heard before but that really is to set investment goals and write them down be specific and clear write them down turn that into an action plan and uh set yourself an investment criteria because you're going to follow that criteria and it makes investing easier easier yeah the third is uh you know what a lot of people particularly in states like California did you know many years ago when credit was easy and that's speculating and so my rule is essentially never speculate. You want to have a long-term perspective in mind. J- don't be chasing after appreciation especially in a heated market. Yeah. Uh you know, invest prudently, buy properties that make sense the day you buy them, but don't be a speculator chasing after appreciation. Great minds think alike, you know. Everyone keeps asking me why don't you invest in San Francisco Bay Area and I said no, I I don't have any investments and my primary residence is not an investment. So I I don't own anything in Cali. <laughs> well, anybody <laughs> listening, yeah, a- anybody listening to this that lives where you live like in the Bay Area or any any expensive market whether it's New New York, New yeah, Jersey, like, yeah. Washington DC, Southern California, like these markets where property values are very high. When I say very high, I'm talking from 400,000 to 4 million dollars yep. for, you know, like a nice single family home. <clears throat> Those just don't cash flow well and if at all and they don't yeah, produce they don't produce a a good rate of return even if you bought those all cash with in other words no financing which you know is arguably a mistake yeah but if if you purchase those properties all cash and you had cash flow your rate of return is so small that you're probably losing against oh, yeah. inflation from a cash flow perspective yeah. yeah even if you have if you are breaking even i i don't think even you you will break even but most of the time you'll have negative cash flow but as you said even if you do have positive cash flow you are losing against in- inflation 
Right. So, so you don't want to speculate. You know, it, it, we are, look, it's a big country. There's a lot of markets. There are a lot of opportunities out there. We see them every day. We post many of them, not all of them on our website. So I can tell you that you don't have to think or make the mistake that to invest, you have to invest in your backyard, meaning, you know, within an hour or two of where you live. If you can find the right deals and they make sense, then, that, then go for it. But if not, you have to start looking elsewhere. And so that segues to the fourth, and that's invest for cash flow. Because unless it's generating positive cash flow and generating a real cash on cash return for you that's directly related to the income on that property, then I don't consider that an investment. So right. I, I like to call cash flow the glue that keeps your investment together. Because mm-hmm. if, it, if it's got positive cash flow, you're making money today and you're gaining equity over time. So you're, you're actually winning on both ends. Fifth, we've talked about this and that's just be market agnostic. We, you know, we've already talked about the U.S. having over 400 metropolitan yep. areas. And so uh, choose the markets that make the most sense for you from an investment perspective. The sixth one is to take a top-down approach, which means that you're not looking at the property from the get-go. You're looking at the market, then the sub-market, then the neighborhood, and then the property, and then, of course, you know, assembling a team to help you succeed. So you, you, taking a top-down approach means that you're investing by focusing on the market and the local economy first and then working your way down to the best neighborhoods, and then finally you look at the best deals within those neighborhoods. Uh, number seven would be diversification. Diversify across markets. And I'm talking about geographic diversification here. So yeah. what I like to say is you build a portfolio of three to five income, three to five income properties in one market. And then when you have that footprint there, then you start building the same thing, three to five properties in another market, in market yeah. and then move on to the third market. You, you don't need more than five markets. Three to five is the good is the good range that you should focus on. And then you, you, you know, you, but you build three to five, maybe 10 properties in each of those markets. And that's a great portfolio. I totally agree. So that's uh, that's the whole thing about diversification. Uh, number eight is, is uh, true for most people. And that is use professional property management. I don't think most people should self-manage. It's fact, it's very hard to do. Yeah, but, it's very hard. I, I've learned it hard way. <laughs> yeah, locally. I mean, if you're, if you're local, that's one thing. It's, it's doable if you understand how to deal with people and, and, you know, the tenant landlord laws and marketing skills and people skills. And, you know, you want to be the one taking the phone calls if there's any, uh, any questions, complaints or reasons for not for late payment. But 99% of the time, I think most people should use a full service professional property management company that really handles everything for you. It's, 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 a, it's a small cost of doing business, but it's well worth it, especially if you have a large portfolio. Number nine is to maintain control. The thing I like about single family homes, duplexes and fourplexes is you can buy these properties, hold them in your entity, uh, be a direct investor, and you, you, know, you have complete control. You're not at the whim of of corporations or fund managers through funds and partnerships. Because at the end of the day, when you're investing in a fund, it's a paper-based asset. Uh, It's a paper-based investment. Sure, if you know the principles and you trust them, great, you know, that might be a good deal. But sometimes, you know, you're dealing with uh, dishonest or, or 
unscrupulous people and you don't want to be in a situation where you don't really have direct ownership within an asset. So I prefer being a direct investor, owning the portfolio, controlling the portfolio, uh, rather than being you know, involved in any kind of paper-based asset. And then last but not least, this is one of the powerful things about investment real estate is, is the fact that you can leverage your investment capital. And so I recommend more, more often than not that people borrow other people's money, you know, in the form of mortgage financing to control 100% of the property, but really only put down 20%. Yeah. You know, it, it just magnifies your returns and it accelerates your wealth creation. Yeah. And leverage is how you scale up faster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it allows you to scale much quicker, like to the tune of four to one or five to one. Yeah. Couldn't so, agree more. Yeah. So th those, those so are the much. 10, those are the 10 rules. Thank you so much for sharing those 10 rules. I think this summary was great. So how can people learn more about you, Marco? Yeah, well, that's pretty easy. We have two websites that you could visit. Uh, where we put all the properties is noradarealestate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, noradarealestate.com. And then the other website is the home of our podcast, and it's the sister website. And that's simply passiverealestateinvesting.com, Passive realestateinvesting.com. So that's the same name as the podcast. Well, that's great. I, I'll put those websites as well in the show notes. Thanks again, Marco. Well, it's been my pleasure. I greatly appreciate the invite and I uh, hope this has been helpful for your audience. This was very helpful. I thoroughly enjoyed. Thanks again. Uh, thanks, Alpesh. If you are on the fence about investing, or have any questions about alternative investments, please reach out to me at alpesh at wealthmatters.com. It's A-L-P-E-S-H at W-E-A-L-T-H-M-A-T-R-S.com. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!